mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Here's a quick little PSA. We have two upcoming live shows. The live shows are on October 9th, 2021 for New York Comic Con and October 17th, 2021 for DC Fandom. And both of those will be available on our profile on Spreaker if you go to uh, bitbit.ly slash tmrpc. Again, that's bitbit.ly slash tmrpc. If you want to support the show, the best way you can is through any of the books or current ongoing Vela shorts that are being released on a regular basis. The easiest way to find this is to go to bitbit.ly slash tmrbooks, and you'll have links there to everything. All of my Kindle books are available for free. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you don't have to pay anything. You get it with your subscription. You can read them all. They're all in screenplay format. That includes Swan Song, The Muses, Duet, In the End. Our past does not define us. Anything else that I've written that's available on Kindle, it's available there. You can buy a soft cover if you want. Uh, there's a hardcover collection of all of the Swan Song books all combined into one. That's available as a hardcover. You can pre-order Echo Alpha, which is coming out in November. All of these things are available if you go uh, on Amazon. But, quick link, if you go bitbit.ly slash tmrbooks, I have them all there nice, easily cataloged. Also, down toward the bottom, we have the Kindle Vela content. Uh, The first three episodes are always free. And then after that, um, there's a token system that you can use to, to... you know, read. Even if you don't like it, just give it a thumbs up. Uh, that way we can get it up higher so more people see it. So one final time, that's bitbit.ly slash tmrbooks. And every Wednesday, there's a new Vela book that goes up. Taser and Acrobat, Nanite and Rosebud, Tales from Another World, and The Alchemist and the Illusionist. All go up on Wednesdays, and it's all available on uh, Kindle Vela. All of this is available bitbit.ly slash tmrbooks. Welcome to Beware of Spoilers, I am Adam, so it's a little bit of a twofer today because I'm tired, and really if I cut it into two separate episodes, it would annoy me if I looked at a podcast and I had three episodes go up in two days, and really we're, we're kind of based on what's happening on 30 Minute Reviews tomorrow, or later today depending on when I cut it, uh, based on that I would say that like, you know. Rules of what goes where go out the window a little bit, because you know, we're going to be covering the death of Doctor Strange number one. But let's talk about Star Wars Visions, which I called Ronin yesterday, because that's the tie-in book that I pre-ordered on Audible. Um, that was incorrect on my part. You're in a parking lot, my dude. You do not need to go 50. I do not care who you're trying to impress. Now, uh, I am... As always, recording from the mobile office. So, let's talk about 
uh, Star Wars Visions first. Now, I saw an article today, where does this fit into the canon? Um, let me just stop you right there. It does not. Everything in the Star Wars Visions series of stories, none of them are canon. And that is an important distinction because people care about these things. And, you know, these stories don't um, mesh well with what happened. And again, yesterday when I talked about what if, I talked about doing things with animation that you couldn't do in live action. This has a lot of that. Um, with, you know, not just with art styles, distinct art styles from different studios. But, like, part of it was, and I hate to say this, part of it lost the feel of Star Wars to me. Like, it's great, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of really cool stories and really cool concepts explored and some cool ideas, but, like, I think it was the second episode where it started to lose me, where it's like, we have a rock band on Tatooine with, like, a chibi Boba Fett, like, it, it kind of just, like, around that time, it's like, this doesn't feel like Star Wars, and it's like, if we're gonna look at what Star Wars is, Star Wars has a distinct look and feel to it, um, and, like, these didn't feel like that, like, this, they could have slapped on a different name to many of these shorts, and they would have just been, you know, you, you could have done it exactly the same with, you know, with, without changing anything in them. Like, the idea of the laser sword is not something that's, you know, distinctly unique to Star Wars. It, it's not, you know, when we look at it in that way, we're not breaking any new ground, really. Like, yeah, the stories are cool, and slapping the Star Wars name on it is cool, because then I'll get more people to watch it, get more people to look at these studios, and, you know, bring light to the these studios, and not just really relegate it to American audiences, but at the same time... It's not doing enough to, you know, make, like, there's not enough there to, like, that is distinctly Star Wars. Besides just, like, it's like if you play Minecraft with a Star Wars texture pack, it's like, well, you're still playing Minecraft, it's just got Star Wars overlaid on it. It's like, when you watch The Bad Batch, or you watch Rebels, or you watch, um... Uh, the Clone Wars, it all distinctly feels like Star Wars. It's not, you know, like these, when you, when you look at this, like it, these other shows still keep the look and feel while still telling a unique story in the Star Wars world. You don't necessarily get that in this. Like, when you watch the Animatrix, which is really the only other, you know, standard we can point to with this, where it's like, well, I guess you can do, like, there was an anime Spider-Man and, like, you know, the look and feel kind of gets maintained where it's like, you know, it still feels like what you're watching. It's just, there's a spiritual, like, you know, connection, I guess, which sounds a lot deeper than I intended. Like, it, it like, I want to say a spiritual successor, but, you know, at the same time, it's not really a spiritual successor. Like, I'm looking at, like, you know, if, if, if this show is, you know, it, it's not meant to be canon, it's a bunch of, you know, short stories. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I've read, like, what's on, what, what, what am I looking for here? Like, you know, uh, oh, Myths and Fables, that was it. Myths and Fables, the Clone Wars short story anthology. Um, there's a Life Day one coming out. And, like, well, these aren't, you know, non-canon. But at the same time, they're kind of, you know, not silly, but, like, 
not mainline stories where it's like I don't need to watch or I don't need to have read the story of Obi Wan fighting um, the, the 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 dragon in the desert of Tatooine, like to understand what goes further. But you know, it's a cool little story, and it's like these stories still fit in with you know the look and feel of Star Wars. These really don't, and it was like there there was one with the twins where I'm like this just feels so like. If it weren't for the fact that, like, the the Star Destroyers were, like, visibly designed to look like Star Destroyers, this could be any other Star Wars, this could be any other science fiction anime. And I think that's a misfire. It's that, like, you're taking these cool concepts, but you're not grounding it in what made it original in the first place. And when I, heard, when I saw an article about, like, you know, is Star Wars fatigue in the setting because we have too much Star Wars stuff, I think this is what people are referring to, where it's like, you know... They, they literally just slapped the Star Wars logo on it, said, do whatever you want, and, and this is what came up. And the stories aren't bad. I'm not saying the stories are bad. The art is bad. I'm just saying it doesn't feel like Star Wars, which is ultimately what this show is being sold on. Because if it wasn't, they could have, Lucasfilm could have just as easily gone to these people and said, we want to do anthology short stories in space. Tell whatever story you want. It does not have to be Star Wars. If that was the case, they could have done that too, and these stories would have been able to stand on their own or not. But, you know, these stories do not. And again, I look at it and I'm like, you know, I think that had The Last Jedi been released as one of these, it would have been better received. Because I I feel like, like, that's the problem with The Last Jedi, I think, with the reception to The Last Jedi, is like, it's a great movie, and you can't fault the, like the cinematography or, like, the set design or the production design or anything like that. Because, like, like, I watched it again the other night, and you cannot watch this movie and come up with anything that's, like, this movie is anything but beautiful. Like, it from a physical sense. Like, you cannot like what, what direction they took Luke. You cannot like, you know, the whole Canto bite sequence, and I would be inclined to agree with you because I think it would be hypocritical of me to say that I don't mind Canto Bite or Canto Bright or whatever the hell it's called, but I I have a problem with the detour to um, Endor in the Rise of Skywalker because ultimately it amounts to nothing. Um, oh no, or the or the detour to Zari Bliss's planet because it ultimately amounts amounts to nothing. There, there is one planet that the detour that they detour to that ultimately amounts to nothing in Episode Nine, um, because you know it's kind of the same thing, but like. If we look at, like, how... Now, I think we've said enough about that. Let's go on to Act 2 of Sandman, the audio, uh, radio play, I guess we would call it, version of the the classic nineteen late 80s, early 90s comic from Neil Gaiman, um, out of Vertigo from DC Comics. Um, again, just as good as the first, I mean, because the thing is, it's like, they're just adapting the comic, and if it happened in the comic, it didn't happen here, and we can't really comment on story in that regard, because, I mean, you can't really say it's a spoiler, it's the same story that they've had for 25 years now, almost 30, over 30 in some cases, but, you know, you can't really argue and say that, you know, the story's bad or the story because it's like it's if you liked the story when you read the comic you'll like the story when you watch when you listen to the audio adventure um i thought it was cool like i love the um the arc where um he he gets hell 
from Lucifer, and all of the gods have to come to him to try and barter with him to get the, uh, to get the, you know, um, to get the key to hell. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I thought David Tennant was an excellent choice for Loki, who else was really good. I, whoever cast Christian, uh, Kirsten, uh, Kristen Shawl as Delirium, fantastic choice. Oh my god, I don't think that there's a better voice actor choice. I also think that, again, I still think that, um, Kat Dennings as Death is another fantastic choice, where it's like, she has that, like, she has a lightness to her voice that contrasts so greatly with what she's doing because it's a it's a natural part of existence, but it's something that, you know, the mortal don't, don't you know, want to think about, but it's, you know, it's her job, and she's got this lightness, she brings this lightness to it that really works um, and con- contrasts. It's just when you contra- con- um, contrast it to James McAvoy as Morpheus, like, it, it's a great, you know, it, it's a great kind of flip between the two. Uh, what else was there? Uh, oh, and, like, my favorite episodes continue to be the ones where it is Death and and Morpheus going out and doing their thing. Um, because the way that the two actors play off of each other is just, just tremendous. Um, what else was there that I really liked? Um, I don't know. I wasn't as much of a fan of it the first time. I wasn't as much of a fan of it this time. Um, the arcs that are... Like... What I like in this is I like the stuff with Morpheus and the, you know, the more, like, creation aspect of of the um, the Endless. Like, dealing with the affairs of the Endless is more what I am interested in. Like, I like following Morpheus and Delirium and Death and um, Despair and, and Destiny. And I think that's all really interesting and cool. And fun to explore. I when they go off on these tangents, and I I, I know I'm gonna not get this is not gonna be well received, but when they go off on these tangents where it's like, and here's Marco Polo, and here is, you know, uh Caesar, and here like I don't I lose interest kind of when that stuff happens. Where it's like I want to like it's the same thing with comics where it's like I kinda of wanna just deal in the the cool like universe building aspects of it like I'm not really too concerned with the flashback stuff and, and things like that like I, and I, I and both times now we end on a, a short like a kind of a one-off with um what's it called with Morpheus dealing with a um what's it called dealing with a one-off thing like the last one ended with um the production of a Midsummer Night's Dream for the realm of the fairies and this one ends with um, the Sultan of Baghdad, if I remember correctly, wanting to, um, preserve Baghdad for all of eternity. And it's like, I, I it's kind of an interesting kind of thing, because it's, it's number one, it plays off this idea that, you know, he is endless, and he all, like, not everything's gonna have these big calamitous affairs, but, you know, at the same time, I'm kind of like, you know, let's do something different, like, and, and well, that is something different, but it's like I like there was a few episodes before a few ish or episodes I think it is before that was the one with the story of Cain and Abel, and that I really liked, and it's like you know like the story there of how Cain and Abel came to be in 
the realm of the dreaming and and like the story of uh adam and eve as told by eve is really cool like things like that i like i was like when they got into other things i was like whatever let's just get through this and get back to the cool stuff um like, and, and it's not even like I, I'm there to, what the fuck is that flag? Uh, it's not like I'm there to get to the DC tie and stuff, and there's, there's enough of that in here. Like, not as overt as the, 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 the arc with the Martian Manhunter and Scott Free in, um, when they're looking for the, uh, the, um, his, his ruby, I think, if I remember correctly from part one. In part two, it's like, you know, there's a small, like, the Flash doesn't know where this calamity came from. He says it's totally uh, abnormal. Um, and then there's, like, there's, like, small references to other things. Um, Hyperman gets referenced and, and you know, Bizarro um, is referenced. I think even the idea of putting the, um, putting Baghdad in a bottle at the very end, is, it comes, well, I mean, it definitely is, you know, not the first time that DC has put cities in bottles, because it's, like, that's Brainiac's entire thing, but, like, you know, there's also the bottles that you can and there's all kinds of things like that. So, like, I, it's not just that I want more DC Comics tie-ins, which I, I really don't, I'm fine with whatever they have, and that was something that I really found interesting, was that when you watch this, you know, when you listen to this, like, I think it was Joe Quesada who said that, um, when you, when you, the difference between Marvel and DC is, like, DC, it's like Superman's from Metropolis, Batman is from Gotham City, um, the Flash is from Central City, and it's like, you have all of these cities that don't really exist, um, but, like, where is Peter Parker from? He's from Queens. Where is, you know, like, where are the Marvel heroes are from cities in the real world? And it's like, it the world of Marvel feels like it could be outside your window, where DC feels like another world. And it's like, yeah, to an extent that's true. This one kind of bends with that a little bit, because, like, there are entire arcs that take place, and both in Part 1 and in Part 2, entire arcs take place on in major real-world cities. Like, uh, New York City plays a major part in, in that. And it's like hearing the Flash being called as a, as like, to, to talk about a weather event in in New York City, it feels kind of strange to an extent. Um, so, and it's like, and, and early on, it's like one of the things that Odin offers to, um, what's it called, uh, to, to Morpheus is the identity of the, the 1940s Sandman from when he was locked up, imprisoned, and, you know, he, he's, he's like, I can show you the Justice Society, and he shows him the Justice Society being active in the 1940s, like, I can give you the identity of the man who stole your identity, um, and it's like, it's cool, but at the same time, it's like, and now we're in New York, and not in, you know, it, it kind of just feels weird, like, I know it's a, it's a nitpicky thing, but it feels a little weird, and it's, it's something that I would assume, like, you know, not just here, also in the comic, so yeah, so we'll wrap up there for today, uh, tomorrow is Friday, Thursday, uh, Saturday, Jesus Christ, I'm like, I'm having a stroke, Saturday, I am going to see Dear Evan Hansen, if I can drag myself to that. Um, if not, we will not be seeing that. Um, hopefully Wednesday, um, What If decides to increase the quality. If not, we'll report on it anyway, and that'll be Wednesday. So until then, have a great rest of your week. Do you like the show? Do you hate the show? Are you indifferent to the show? No matter what, you should probably let us know what we're doing so we can change it to better suit you, the listener's needs. 
you can go to either bit.ly slash BOS contact, which is a contact form page you can use. Also, you can just email us directly at 30minutereviews at gmail.com. If you have questions that you would like us to answer, we can answer them on the air. We have a few questions every week that will be selected to be answered on air. Um, so if you want to tell us what we should do, or if you have a suggestion for a movie or a TV show or something we should cover, go to bitbit.ly slash contact and also email us 30minutereviews at gmail.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.